What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Jazz the CEO, a.k.a. the Dapper Security Guard, and you have just tuned in to Industry Talk Podcast, the podcast dedicated to all levels, all lanes, and all titles of the security industry, where we share info, tips, and war stories while shining our light on all the individuals who do great things behind the scenes. Thanks for tuning in. on everybody welcome to another episode of industry talk podcast i know you've been waiting but i've been working just like you so we're gonna get to it today i have a special guest who's into a little bit of everything when i say everything i'm talking about a drill sergeant a police officer right now he was a bondsman and a future uh, recovery officer in florida and i mean seriously he lives in florida so we know he's going to be fun because everybody that lives in florida parties don't they i don't know so listen up we are going to get into the life of drew is that is that your full name drew or yeah i, I prefer to go by drew drew, drew is okay. what everybody knows okay. me by so drew welcome to the show thank, thank you, you for you having me i appreciate the office for having me come on your show Hey, I appreciate you just talking to me. Um, I mean, so I'm going to jump right in. Like, I like to get to the point. Like, uh, I mean, as long as anything, nothing's off limits. Is anything off limits that you don't want to talk about? Not really. I'm sure if we get to one of those topics or subjects, I'm sure <laughs> I'll I'll politely disregard it. But for right now, we're yep, good. Yep. Okay, uh, good. All right. So, I mean, like the bio say, you're kind of in everything that this whole podcast is about, which is pretty cool. So congratulations on this amazing career Thank that you, you have. Thank you very done. much. How old are you? 27. 27. I knew it was going to be in the 20s because I'm like, this guy has done a little bit of everything, but I'm sure he's under 30. So yeah. Yeah, um, 27. Man, okay. So I look younger, but I am on 31 this year. Oh, wow. I'm, okay. I'm getting old. Um. So let's talk about the army. My brother literally two, three weeks ago just joined the army. He okay. leaves um October 7th, I believe he leaves for a basic. Um, so we can start with that just because it kind of hits home. I mean, what made you join and how long have you been in? Uh well, I mean, I decided to join because pretty much all the males in my family were in the military. So I kind of knew that some type of way I was going to find that or follow that path to be in the military as well. So um, I started molding myself when I was in high school, uh, went mm-hmm. through ROTC or JROTC as you call it in high school from ninth grade to 12th grade. Um, kind of made a few changes when I was in senior year and decided I probably wasn't going to go to military anymore. I wanted to focus on college. Okay. Did a year of college and hated it. Said <laughs> it wasn't for me. Um, all of my classes were scheduled in the morning at like seven. I said, no, nah, this isn't for me. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, we're not doing that. Exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, was, what was your major? Uh, major was criminal justice. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, um, but of course, the first classes were general ed, so the math, the things that everybody doesn't like at first. So yeah, I definitely, uh, yeah, I was like, nah, this is not going to work. So I decided to, you know, go ahead and say, you know what, let me enlist and I've been in for about eight and a half years now. Uh, been in the drill sergeant since 2015. Um, been an actual drill sergeant since last year. Graduated the drill sergeant academy in Fort Jackson last year. Um, 
around May, June. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was something I knew I was gonna always do. Yeah. How is how is being a like like uh for people who don't really have any military in the family? My brother's going to the army. My father is a marine. Um, but for people who don't have that family history, they see it on TV and they just right. see the guys that are yelling, got the hats tilted, and boom, boom, boom. What is it to be a drill sergeant? What is a drill sergeant, and how is it being one? Well, I mean, I can't speak on everybody's experience, but I definitely can talk on mine. My reasoning for it was because it was things that I saw coming up in the military when I joined in 2011 um, that I didn't agree with when it came to leadership, certain things. Uh, Not to say that all leadership is bad. There's not. It's just that there are different people in in different positions, and sometimes you're just you not going to agree with it. But instead of being that person, just not agree with it and say, you know what, I'm going to do my time and get out. Why don't you be the one to make the change or be the one to do something about it and, and change a few things. Um, so I decided to go ahead and go the drill sergeant route. Um, it's definitely more about, it's not about being a tyrannical drill sergeant. As some people will say it's not all about the yelling. It's not all about the hat. Um, it's pretty much the inside of a person. So, and being an NCO is pretty much just being a non-commissioned officer. Uh, mm-hmm. a sergeant, and pretty much leading troops the right way and showing these first recruits that, hey, listen, you know, this is what right looks like. You know, I am what right looks like. My drill sergeant um, counterparts are what right looks like, and we're going to make sure that you see what right looks like from the beginning. Yeah. And that pretty much was the reason why I decided to join and show them, you know, yeah, you have to be tough. And, of course, I'm not as what they call a candy drill when it kind of just gives everything because I don't do that. But I teach so many more life lessons when I'm on the trail than just the typical, you know, 350-6 things that that we're supposed to teach and regulations and rules. You know, I usually go a little bit above and beyond and teach them about finances and managing their money properly once they get out Mm -hmm. and making sure they don't go to one of these car dealerships and, you know, buy a car right out of basic training or AIT and into a out of basic training and buys a Camaro. That is exactly. what they say. <laughs> yeah, and, and you'd be surprised that they, they go out and buy these cars, but guess what? You know, they're not making that much. They're maybe an E1 or E2, at the most the E3, you know, which is a private first class. Their mm-hmm. pay is not that much, and they go out and get these car payments that are about 600 bucks, 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're 18, still 19, so the car insurance is going to be through the roof. Yeah. And then they're trying to figure out how they're going to make ends meet. And then they go and turn around and say, well, I don't make enough money. I hate this job. It's not for me. But yeah. they didn't manage money properly from the beginning. So, you know, trying to teach them a lot more than just military, um, you know, lifestyle, but aspects mm-hmm. of life, period. You know, giving them some extra traits that they don't usually get. So I, I take pride in, in definitely being a drill sergeant and, and hoping that they'll learn so much more from me than just how to be a soldier in the army and how to wear the uniform and yeah. shoot a rifle and things like that. So, yeah. I mean, I think people who are listening to that, even if you're not in the military or going that whole be the change you want to see, that's a serious thing. You're literally living that thing that people hashtag and don't do nothing. Exactly. But, I mean, that's, that's an example of really how you can do it. And that can go in any aspect of life. So, I mean, I commend you for that. Um, especially going beyond like when, I mean, my dad, he always says like when he got out or when he was thinking about getting out at a younger age, 
he didn't even he didn't know what he was gonna do. He uh yeah. instead of going by, he ended up going to work at a car dealership before he became a police officer because nobody was there to like show him what to do afterwards or you know what I'm saying? So that that's a good thing that you're doing that too as well. Um yeah. so like I said, uh, my brother is going, is going to basic training soon. What advice would you give someone who is about to take on this journey? Probably the most important advice I can give is to just thug through it. Um, okay. And I say that because of the fact that you got to remember that the military is not for everyone. Many people join the military because of the fact that maybe they heard it's good benefits. Oh, I can go to college on the military's dime or something of that sort. Yeah, I've heard people but, say that. Exactly. But that's not the reason to join. The reason is because you have a desire in your heart to serve the military, to serve your country, you know, to go above and beyond the call of duty. But in certain aspects, when that doesn't happen for people and they, they don't get the job they wanted from the recruiter or when they, you know, get stationed at a certain spot they don't want, they don't look at the bigger picture and they just think of it as, Oh, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to do my four years and get out because this isn't for me. I don't like the fact of having somebody talk to me. I don't like waking up early in the morning to go to PT every day. You know, I don't like the same old thing every day being, you know, um, going to my office or wherever I may be working, doing the same thing, seeing the same people wearing the same uniform. And sometimes <laughs> the monotony of that yeah. job, it it's very powerful to people, you know, it to the point where they're like, you know what? Oh, I really like this. I really like what I'm doing. And others are just like, you know what? I can't stand this. I, I have to get out. I got to do my time and be done. Yeah. Um, and those are the same people sometimes that if, when they get out, they're not ready for the outside world. So they get out and they they don't have no backup plan. They want to get out so bad. But then once they're out, they're like, man, I'm struggling. Man, how am I going to make ends meet? I can't find a good job. This is what happens when you join the military and things like that. And that's not the case. Everybody's situation is different. You know, so you definitely have to find your niche, stay the course, continue to keep going. Even when it's tough, you get to your four year mark. You know what? I've, I've made decent money. I put money away. I've invested because the military has investments. You know, they have financial planners, they have people to help you out. But if you don't use these tools or utilize what they give you, then, yeah, you're going to be a very disgruntled person. You know? yeah. So yeah. you, you got to make sure, you know, that you just keep going every single day and remember that there's always somebody in a worse situation than you somebody that wished they had a full-time job you know that wished they could be in a position where they can travel and yeah you may not like where you're at for the moment but trouble you know as older people would say trouble don't last always you know what i mean yeah. so yeah you thug through it and it'll get better over time you know and if you don't like it then be the one to make change exactly well you mentioned travel um, and that's one of the one of the things that my my brother said. You know, he, he can because we live in Baltimore. Uh, we okay. live in Maryland, so um, you know he he expressed to me. You know, a lot of his friends have died. A lot of his friends are going the wrong direction. Yeah. A lot of his friends are just you know, and he's just like I really can't be surrounded, and I'm the only one making good decisions. It's it's difficult. Um, and so traveling, where have you been? Where has the military taken you? Uh, well, most of it's been just in state or in country, as we call it. Um, I haven't been fortunate to deploy. Uh, reference my MOS. I haven't, and being in the reserves, majority of that time, I haven't had the opportunity to deploy, which if I do get the chance, I definitely will take it. Yeah. Um, but 
I've been to, let's see, I've been to West Virginia. I've been to California, which is Fort Irwin. I've been to Georgia, uh, Fort Benning and Fort Gordon, Fort Jackson. I've been to, um, there's a few, there's a, a base in Florida, but it's not big. It's Camp Blanding. Okay. Um, just something that you usually go to a few times a year for drill purposes and to qualify on your weapon and have some field training exercises. Okay. Um, and I, I think that's about, I think that's <laughs> about it. There might be one more place. I can't, I can't remember. Like I said, I haven't traveled anywhere for the last, like, um, this been actually like somewhere different. Yeah. I haven't traveled somewhere in probably the last four years. Everything's just been back and forth to Fort Jackson, which is where, uh, my battalion is out of, or my brigade is out of, I'm sorry, when it comes to uh, my drill sergeant unit. So I tend okay. to go back and forth to Fort Jackson a few times a year. Are you? Were you born in Miami or born in Florida? Yeah, I was born and raised in Miami, uh, okay. Dade County all day. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so now I'm going to, I'm going to talk about uh, this career, this lifestyle. I know your family but what about like friends and people you encounter and the climate of the police and the community? Have you gotten any like in the last couple of years, have you gotten any like backlash or, you know, having had those hard conversations with people about you being a black man and being a police officer? Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I've had too many conversations about it. I mean, it does come up and regular conversations with, you know, maybe friends or family, or whatever, but nothing too intense. But I definitely, you know, can see certain things as I'm at work. And I definitely saw certain things when I was on the road. And yeah. it sucks because a lot of the backlash that I've gotten was more so from my own people, you know, from yeah, African-Americans and Blacks and things like that. And it sucks because at the end of the day, you know, I'm not, I'm not the one who created the law. And mm -hmm. all I do is enforce it. And I think that's the job of all police officers. We just enforce the law. That's why we're called law enforcement officers. But people tend to mix that up with their their doings and their dealings during you know throughout the day. And it's like um, I didn't commit that crime. You did. And all I'm you've done your part of being a criminal, and I'm doing my part as an officer, regardless yeah. of what color you are. I don't care what color you are. If you're committing a crime, then you must be dealt with accordingly. But people yeah. don't see it that way, and you know, and especially if if I'm the one making the arrest or something, then it's, you know, I'm against my people and, you know, I've been yeah, called I mean, pig I'm before. And... In so many different areas is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, well, cause you're, you're a younger guy. So if, if, um, cause I, I recently had this conversation with someone who was getting into the Academy and, you know, they're, they're from here and they were just like, yeah, I mean, my friends looking at me like I'm crazy, but I've always wanted to be a police officer and da, 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 da. And I, and I only wanted to talk about this because back to your um, military experience, you know, being the change that you want to see and nobody's perfect. And that means no job is perfect. And yes. I think, um, you know, so if, if you could give, you know, another a piece of advice to someone who is trying to get into the police camp, but they're worried about what their fellow man or what their person that looks just like them is telling them that they shouldn't do it because of that. What, what, what kind of advice would you give to that person? Well, first off, they shouldn't be worried about what anybody has to say anyway. That's number yeah. one. True. Um, number two, you got to remember that 
law enforcement aren't the most liked right now. It's not the most liked profession. But mm-hmm. is that going to stop you from putting food on your table? Or is that going to stop you from, you know, having the life that you've always desired to with having a good paycheck by being a police officer? No. Because at the end of the day, none of those people who are committing those crimes are going to pay your bills or mine. Yeah. So you, at the end of the day, you must remember that, hey, listen, I have a job to do. I'm going to do it. Everybody's put on this earth to have, you know, a career or a job or a lifestyle, whatever it is. And this has happened to be mine. It was, yeah. you know, and I'm big on some people. It was chosen a lifestyle. Some people it was something that they just knew they were going to do. It wasn't a chosen thing for them. It was just, hey, this is what life has given me. And this is for me. You know, it's all I ever want to do. So yeah. you can't sit there and let people dictate your next movement, especially when it comes to your livelihood. You know, so, yeah, people are going to talk regardless. People are going to talk, you know, in any job. If you're a person that works, yeah, if you're a person that works at a car dealership, oh, man, he could have, you know, this black guy could have given me a better deal because we're both black. It's going to happen in any profession, you know, so you can't let that dictate your movement. Just keep on going with the flow. Somebody says something sideways, make sure that at the end of the day, you respect everyone first Mm -hmm. and then, you know, treat everybody accordingly. That's that's about it. Yeah. Don't disrespect anybody, but at the end of the day, don't put up with crap either. Yeah, and there's a there's a thin line between that, man. There's a thin line between that. Trying to balance that, like exactly. trying to, especially in the in the midst of a situation, trying to be like, you know, everything's fine, everybody calm down, da da da. And then how much disrespect you can take, you know? And I think I think people should definitely. I think that's why I like that you do training and, um, you know, that you do uh, instructing because if you do that in the military where you go beyond just teaching them how to be in the military, I know you go beyond just teaching somebody how to use and how to shoot a gun when you do your training. So, I mean, I can just imagine, you know, that because I think people really got to learn how to handle themselves in a situation, too. I think if you know the basics of how to use everything on your belt, that's great. But you also need to know the basics of, you know, common decency and how to, you know, disregard things that sh- that is not even that important. Because at the end of the day, it's about going home. Yeah. And, you know, in de-escalation, I always tell people, especially like females that, that um, come to me that have, do security or that do um, anything. I'm like, look, de-escalation is your best friend because you don't know that person's ability to do whatever it is that is about to happen if you you know, disrespect somebody because sometimes disrespect can escalate the thing to a whole nother level. So, um, yeah, definitely respect everybody. Uh, it comes I mean, down so- to pride. That's the biggest thing. Oh, yeah. It's people's oh, pride getting in the way of everything. You know, prove something. And and it's kind of like you know, end of the day, it's like okay, yeah, this person's doing this to me, but. I have a weapon, and like I tell everyone in my class, my concealment classes or training classes, even when I tell my soldiers when they get out and they're, you know, able to carry a firearm once they go through the proper channels and proper paperwork through whatever state they're going to be in, it's like, mm-hmm. remember that now, every time you have a weapon on you, you're bringing a weapon into every situation. So yeah. a lot of people see that as, okay, well, I have a weapon, so I'm kind of invincible. And that's when the issues start. Because now it's like, oh, he disrespected me. And and this day and time, a lot of a lot more shootings, I can't say all of them, but especially down here in Miami, a lot of shootings are happening from younger individuals. 
you know? Yeah. And this generation now, it's less talking and less fighting it out with your hands how it used to be to now it's disrespect. He made me look a certain type of way in front of my friends or my chick or my girl. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not going to have that. And next thing you know, okay, well, I got, I have power because I have a firearm and I'm going to use it. And then they turn around and use it. And it's like, now they're in court. Oh man, you know, I'm, I, I apologize. I shouldn't have did it. You know, I, I wish I never did it. And, you know, please be lenient on a, sen- on a sentence or whatever, you know, the case may be. And it's like, yeah. the, you had all the opportunity to avoid that in the beginning, but you didn't. So now you're leaving your fate up to someone else. And yeah. it, it is what it is now. But you're literally putting your life in somebody else's hands. I don't think people realize that. Like once you do commit a crime or you do do something, we can say how they should sentence or how they should do this in a lot of times, but you gave up the right to say any of that. Exactly. Exactly. You gave up you literally signed away your life when you do something and, and you know, so I, I mean yeah, I I just did um a two week detail at uh it's a big fair out in uh Frederick County in Maryland. And these kids out here they do this game called the knockout game. Okay. I don't know if they do that there in Miami, but Basically, they run up and they punch an individual in the face, and the goal is to knock them out on that one punch. They don't know this person; it's strangers. Boom! And then they run back with their friends. Da 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 da. So we had some kids who were playing the game inside the fair, and this kid—I want to say maybe 15. They were in high school, so maybe 15. He hit a guy, and the guy ended up falling and hitting his head. And the next day, the guy died. So the game is just to knock you out and you move on because kids don't think beyond the moment. Exactly. Not knowing if the person has, you know, some type of precondition or whatever. And the guy ended up dying. Now the kid is in jail for manslaughter. And it's like, now you're going to tell me he's only a kid. But it's like, you got to think about that stuff before you do this stuff. Like, you know, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's, people definitely have to think about putting your life in other people's hands when you take somebody else's, you know, life. You're basically taking somebody else's life in your hands when you do things, exactly. not about your own. So I definitely agree with that. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the younger generation, I thought my generation was crazy. <laughs> I thought we did crazy stuff. And now I'm looking back on stuff as I did as a kid, like, hey, I was soft compared to these kids. These these kids don't care. It's a different time we're living in. There are less, you know, um, and we see it so much, especially being a police officer. There, are, These kids are raising themselves. Um, yeah. You know, some of their, their, the whole dynamic of the household is completely different from it was when I was growing up and when you were growing up. You know, yeah. there are so many more things to play in society that is out there now. We didn't have all these apps. We didn't have all this social media stuff growing up. Uh, we didn't have, you know, YouTube with all this stuff on it and different videos telling you, hey, go do this. Hey, it's cool to go do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. we had our own issues during that time. But as time has progressed, so has technology, The you know, the crime levels, the different things that the kids are doing now it's just it's ridiculous and it's getting out of hand to be honest and there's no one to really tell these kids hey listen you know don't do that don't do this and it takes for them to get arrested to be like oh man there are consequences for my action yes 
yeah. consequences for your actions. I think a lot of them just forget that part. Yeah. <laughs> until it happens, until they're arrested, until they're in the back of the police car. And sometimes they still try to act hard. So until they get to court and they realize, oh, wait, this is not a game. Exactly. And I see that mm-hmm. so often. You know, like you said, they get in the backseat of the cop car and they're still acting tough. And, you know, myself, I try my best, and especially the cops that work around me, uh, we try our best if that were to happen. You know, once the handcuffs go on them, it starts over from scratch. Even if you put up a fight or you resist it, the handcuffs are on now. Start over from scratch. I'm respect you. You respect me, which is how it should have been from the beginning. And guess yeah. what? Especially if you're 16, 17, or even younger, I'm going to give you a little talking to, you know? Yeah. But on the side of me trying to help you not be in this position anymore, you know? And they don't want to hear it. They're like, oh, you can't tell me nothing. No. So you know what? All right. No worries. All right. You know, and then you constantly see them more and more. It's like an evolving door. And it's just like, you know, you just wish it was more you can do. And sometimes there is, but sometimes these kids just don't want the help. And they're just like, you know what? I got this. I know life and I know life better than anybody else. So there's nothing no one can tell me and I'm going to do it how I want to do it. Yeah. So. Um, with being a police, has there ever been a time in your career um, where you didn't know if you were going to go home that night? Uh, yeah, there's been a few when I was working the road. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was one of those things where you just kind of sit back and say, well, this is the job I signed up for. Yeah. So, you know what? It is what it is. I've made peace with myself and, and you know, for people who are religious beings like myself, you know, I've made peace with the Lord and it is what it is at this point. If it's meant for me to go with it, you know, it's, it's my day. And you have to just put that in your head, be calm, and then still do what you have to do. Because if you yeah. go in there with the mindset that, oh, man, I might die. Oh, this might be it. Might be end all be all. Well, guess what? That's all you're focused about. And those things are going to cause you to make simple mistakes that can cost you your life. Yeah. So you always got to be vigilant. So you just, you know, you just put it to the back of you and just say, you know what? This is, it is what it is. Let me go ahead and hopefully I can still save someone's life or take care of what I have to take care of and make it home. And I'm going to give it all I got for right now. And, you know, once it's over, you say, okay, yeah, I did what I supposed to do. You know, everything's yeah. good. I'm safe. And I left everything I had on the table. So a lot of times um, uh, police and security, where they really differ is training. Um, for us as a security professional, there is no actual academy where we're going and we're just getting all of the juice and we're coming out all juiced up like we we got it. No, we have to find training in our areas on different things and different levels of training. And we end up with 50 different training classes by the time we're done because we're trying to get all that we can. So the joy of that for police is having the academy. But then what I see a lot of time is once they get out of the academy, they've been on a job, they only they start only shooting when it's time to qualify um, or, you know, they stop working out or things like that. So as somebody who is obviously in shape, who obviously you're you're an instructor. So you do training, you do train. What like what do you recommend, like for somebody who's looking to get better at their already known skills, but they want to be that cop that doesn't just train for qualification? Like, what do you think people should continue to work on? Well, I would definitely say that it's definitely having a mindset, a different mindset than everyone else. People have to realize that not everybody's going to have that same mindset. Oh, I need to be fit. I need to be 
tactically sound. I need to have a good mindset. People aren't going to think like that because in most departments, there are many units. Some units never even see the road. Some units, once you do your time on the road, you, you're now at an office position. So, and it, it gets kind of hard sometimes because you obviously, you're working in an office. So your mindset has changed. You went from always having to be watchful, be vigilant, to now you're in an office or a cubicle every day, which definitely puts you in a different type of perspective when it comes to training. You know, you may have the mindset, oh, yeah, I want to train, but then maybe time might not allow it. Maybe the position you're in, if you're a detective or like a homicide detective, that you get call outs and now you're working long cases and it just tends to get away from you, you know, working out. And after a while, it's just to the point where now it doesn't even, not a, a thought in your, your mind. So yeah. you definitely have to find there's different training academies or different training courses local training courses. I know at least in Miami, at least five or six different training um, schools or academies that have some going on every week. There are some down okay. here that have something going on every Tuesday, every Thursday. Yeah, you're going to have to pay a little money, but you can't really put a price tag on training and your life. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, you may be on a specialized unit or you may be in an office, but you're still a cop. You yeah. still have, for me personally, you still have a duty to act. So, yeah, you may be in office, but it may be you going home when that subject is, you know, trying to break someone's window and now you have to stop it. Now that subject wants to fight with you and you have to hold them off until backup gets there. So yeah. it's just things like that where you have to put yourself in that situation every day. Like, OK, how can I better myself? And at least I know for myself and the people that I hang around, it's a constant battle against each other and, and against ourselves to make sure that. You know, we always say, make sure you're hard to kill. So if you train the way you, you know, you train hard every day, at least a few times a week, then there's no reason why, you know, when something comes or the boogeyman comes or presents themselves, that you can't be able to address that threat, take care of it properly, you know, and do what you have to do to get home safe. Yeah. As a, as a officer, when you're off duty, has there ever been a time where you've had to address the situation even though you were off duty? Um, I can't really – I'm sure there probably has been a time, but yeah. I can't think of one right now. And for the most part, I keep myself out of going out a lot. So I try to keep myself out of those situations. I like yeah. to – I'm a homebody. So if I'm not working okay. on you know, something for the business or reading up on something, which I like to do, then I'm pretty much just at home chilling. I don't really go out like that. So if I'm not okay. working, then yeah. I'm I'm typically not out and about. Well, you, you mentioned reading just now, and I am about to purchase the book. Um, I think it's called 100 Deadly Skills. Um, and I believe, like, that's going to be my favorite book, but I'm not sure yet. But uh, I caught on to it because 5'11 is posting these IGTV videos with the guy who writes it. Yeah. And he, like, tells you how to do these, like, tactical nightstands or how to use your flashlight for a weapon, et cetera. So what, what books have you read that you would recommend to other people who, who want to get into that tactical or, or if they're not even tactical books, but what kind of reading do you do? Well, my reading more so has to do with a slew of things. So not just always tactical or military, but when I read, I read things usually to brush up on or refresh myself for my knowledge. For example, 
being a drill sergeant in the reserves, um, I can get orders like I have maybe two, two or three months ago. I received orders that I was going to be going to Fort Jackson for a drill sergeant cycle. I received those orders two days before I was supposed to leave, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I'm not doing anything, I like to brush up on my skills and read, you know, regulations and uh, 350-6, what I mentioned before, is a regulation that usually governs, you know, the do's and don'ts and how you're supposed to conduct yourself in a training environment with trainees uh, in a trade-off environment. So I like to read up on that, make sure I'm fluid on it. It changes every so often. So I want to make sure yeah. when I get down downrange to the trail that I'm not, you know, behind on something maybe a month or two and like, you know what, battle, you can't do that. That that was taken out. Um, <laughs> or even when it comes to different case law. Uh, I just recently read up on some case law that involved warrants and arrest warrants, um, Illinois versus Gates, uh, United States versus Watson. So these things that I read up on that are related to my lifestyle. So not necessarily always books, but sometimes articles. There can be books. Sometimes it's just, like I said, different case law. It's regulation, things that I have read before, but I'm refreshing up in my memory. And you just, you never stop learning. That's how you get an upper hand on on anyone. Um, And now I've just started recently reading different things, different articles on Forex, which is the trading of currency. So that's my new project to learn for the next year or two to really get fluid in it. It's called Forex? Well, Forex is the actual name of the the market, of the trading. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, there are different articles on it, and there's different. It's Forex.com, which I've been using that a lot lately, which is also uh, a trading app that you can utilize. There's so so many different things along with the stock market. Like I said, I like to make sure that I am well-rounded, you know? You can't just do all these professions and make the money and then you don't know how to keep it or you don't know what to do to maintain that lifestyle. So I like to make sure that I can definitely earn my money and I can put it away as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. All right. Cause I, I could, I could make a whole episode about the financial part. So that's a, we won't get into that. We won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> we won't, we won't. Um, so not to keep you too long, but I definitely have about three things that I definitely want to dive into with you. And one of them is fugitive recovery, because it's something I've been looking into. Um, I just recently kind of did a ride along ish type thing on somebody's case. Um, but uh, right now I, I do a lot of skip tracing for uh, law offices and um, finding defendants, things like that. But I really I wanted to get into it. So I know you used to do it in florida so one how did you get into it was that before being a police officer or was it after becoming a police officer um yeah it was definitely before i became a police officer because in the state of florida you can't just up and say you know you want to be a bill bondsman or a bounty hunter the term bounty hunter is illegal in the state of florida and you have to be what you call a florida surety agent so it's spelled s-u-r-e-t-y which is pretty much the same thing as an insurance agent, but for the governing of people. So um, it's a 120 hour course along with continuing education. And there's a portion, a 20 hour course, which is through the university of Florida online that you have to take. And I've pretty much started. I saw a few episodes of, you know, U S marshals task force. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I, I loved it. And I think I was probably like maybe 20 or 21 when I saw it. Um, and definitely mm-hmm. went to try to see if I could 
<laughs> apply with the U.S. Marshals. But that wasn't going to happen. I didn't have none of the requirements that they needed. So I said, you know what? Yeah. This is an end-all goal for me. So I'm going to go ahead and do the next best thing. And that was getting into bail bonds. So, you know, in bail bonds, you can do either bonding people out of jail or you can be the one to do the apprehensions and recoveries. Um, they both have liability issues, but one is a little bit less and one is up front. So as a fugitive recovery agent, which is still an illegal term to use in Florida, but, you know, as a recovery agent in, in Florida, you can either have the risk of maybe losing money on the front end with skip tracing and gas and food and locating a subject and time, or you can be a bondsman bonding someone out of jail, get the money on the front end and hope to God that they don't skip bail on you, giving you only 60 days from the forfeiture to actually have this person in custody for whatever the bond amount is. So I didn't like that because I've seen a few people that had skips that were $10,000, $20,000, and now they're having sleepless nights. Yeah. And to me, no. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather keep the issues that I have Hopefully that I catch this person and get my 10% from the bond and yeah. keep it moving rather than have to be in the hole with my insurance company for, you know, the whole amount of the bond, which could be 20, 30,000, $50,000, whatever the case may be. And it's yeah. really hard to get out of that hole once you're in it. That can shut people's businesses down. And I didn't want that issue. So did you say, so did you do it alone or did you have a team? I think I saw a picture and it was you and a couple of guys. Yeah, I, I had a team, um, and throughout the business, you're going to meet people that do business the right way. You're going to meet some that don't do business the right way, and that's just that's just how it goes in life, period. So people come, people go. Uh, yeah. I met a few good people um, in this business, and that taught me a lot and took me under their wing. And I've met some people in this business that, you know what, I, I definitely knew that I need to get away from them if I wanted to maintain my freedom and not yeah. end up in jail myself. So you got to remember, too, that you're not a cop. Yeah, you have arresting power, but you're not a police officer. So you can't go around town as such. You can't open carry in the state of Florida and think that, like, oh, well, you know what? You know, you work under a concealed weapon license permit, which means you can briefly display your weapon, which typically is mentioned when someone, you know, bends over and their weapon's shown a little bit or something like that. But as far as actually walking around the stores with your weapon open and having your badge on your, you know, on your belt as if you're a police officer, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff can get you hemmed up. So, so, so I don't know if you ever seen the show Bounty, Bounty Tank. Have yes, ever... I've seen it before. Yes. So you see how he dresses. He's not in Florida. He's in Ohio, I think. So it might yes. be. But as far as dressing like that in Florida, going to a house with your vest and stuff like that is during the act of trying to get the person, can you have your, you know, holster, your vest, your um, your badge on, or does it really need to be concealed, all of it? Well, the thing is that you can have your vest present as long as it has who you are on it. Now, if okay. you're actively engaged in serving a warrant at someone's house, you know, someone's residence, and you have your weapon out, I don't really know any police officer that will really give you an issue on it, even though you're not supposed to. So, you know, like I said, there's always that gray line between anything, you know what I mean? And it, yes. it's, you have to kind of toy with it sometimes. Um, yeah. You're not supposed to have your weapon out. You know, that's, that's the law. 
like I said, bail bondsmen work underneath a concealed weapon license. So yeah, no, you're not supposed to do do you know surety agents or bail bondsmen do it? Yeah, have I done it before? Of course I have. But like <laughs> yeah. I, but like I said, at the same time, there's a time and place when you're supposed to do it or when you feel like it's necessary. You know, and I would do it and take my chances on it when I'm actually at that person's location or that house. I wouldn't yeah. do it when I'm walking around the store. Oh, we're going to go. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go hit this location, you know, within an hour. But let's go to the store and get a few items. Let me have my yeah. weapon out. Yeah. Let me. That's no, you don't. And other and all these different videos and shows. So, yeah. Exactly. And like I said, in Ohio, I don't know what the laws are in Ohio. Maybe that, yeah. that's I don't you know, I'm not sure. So I don't want to touch on that. Um, I just know that, like I said, in Florida, yeah, you can have your vest out and it's actually good for people to know who you are, but you yeah. can't, my thing is you need to identify yourself as what the state requires you to. So in the state of Florida, you need to be surety agent or bail bondsman, not yeah. bail enforcement, not bounty hunter, not fugitive task force and all these things, because those kind of things will get you hemmed up, hemmed up if, a, yeah. if an officer does approach you especially if someone from the marshals or something like that, and they're going, oh, you're on the Fugitive Task Force. That's what I do. But I'm a U.S. Marshal. What are you? you know yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah. What, what about, um, I think the biggest question I always have is, and I, and I just, I, the thing is with this kind of stuff, it's just so different in every state. But in Florida, what about the act of kicking the door in when that person, at that person's house that you're looking for? What about that? Well, you need to, when it comes to that, it needs to be, they need to actually have an indemnity agreement. So the bail bond company, when a person gets out of jail, has the subject or the defendant rather and his family members or whoever's going to be the indemnitor on his bond. So this person who's going to be signing him out with the bail bondsman need to have an agreement. So an indemnity agreement on that indemnity agreement, along with the defendant's file, there needs to be information on there with different locations of where that person lives, where they may be at their mom's house, whatever the case may be. Now, if the person is in the house and you know, the person is in the house and you have visual of the house and that address is on file and the address is on the indemnity agreement or on the defendant's, you know, file, then yes, you can make entry into that house, especially if you spoke with this person on the phone. Oh yeah. You're not going to catch me, things like that. And you know, they're in that house and you've seen them going out. So you've done your surveillance. You don't want to just hit a house and, you know, oh, I'm just going to take your door down and show you that I mean business. It doesn't work that way because guess yeah, what? Yeah. You're going to have to pay for that door if that subject wasn't in that home. And yeah. and for the most part, I've met a lot of bail bondsmen that were really good bail bondsmen that said, it's nothing personal, it's business. If you take down the door and you make entry into the home, well, and the subject is there, they would still oftentimes say, you know what? I'll pay for the door, even though it's not my fault because the subject was here and you were aiding and abetting a fugitive. Yeah, but I'll pay for the door because you have kids in the house and it wasn't your fault. You know, he didn't want to take care of his issue or she didn't want to take care of her issue. So then, yeah. you know what? I'll do one solid. I've gotten my person. I just saved myself from thirty thousand dollars. What's another three hundred yeah. bucks? What's the most you um? what was your biggest case? Like, what was the most you've gotten, you know, for somebody uh, for finding somebody? Well, my biggest case. Um, that I worked with a team that actually came down here to Miami and they hit me up. It was a million dollar case. Uh, I'm not going to mention who it was for and gotcha. for what organization it was for, but it was a, a million dollar case. And the guy was, was definitely wanted out of Tennessee. And okay. it was for, you know, trafficking of numerous things across state yeah. lines. 
Um, we didn't catch the subject because he wasn't at the location that they thought he would be at down here. He actually was in a whole nother country. Um, but the biggest bond that I've gotten paid on a few times would probably be, I think it was a 30 or a $40,000 bond that, that I've gotten paid on. And like I said, that was more than once, but you got to remember that down here in certain areas, sometimes the bond schedule doesn't permit for bonds that big. So, you know, there every county and every state has or every um, every court system has different bond schedules, which means that they'll say for a grand theft charge is five thousand dollars. This is the bond schedule. You know, that's what you're going to get if you go to jail on that charge. You know that prostitution is going to be a five hundred dollar bond schedule amount if you go to jail on that charge. So, oh, okay. so okay. most times, you know, these bonds aren't that crazy because there aren't that many. Yeah, there are bad things going on, but you remember there's a thin line between getting a bond that much and then getting not getting a bond at all because then there's charges like that are punishable by life that you don't usually receive a bond. You know, gotcha. so yeah. it's just that fine line to figure out, okay, this thirty thousand dollar bond probably has like ten charges, you know, and they've all accumulated together, which made that amount. So it's not okay. just one charge. This thirty thousand okay. dollars, maybe ten. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, I, some of these questions people ask me, and I'm like, I haven't started doing it yet. I, it's just been something I've been reading up on, and, you know, definitely I've been looking here in Maryland because certain states, like like in Florida, like you said, certain can't even call it fugitive recovery, it's, you know. So I've been looking at it for Maryland, and it's it's pretty lenient here. You don't even... You don't even have to take a class. You don't even have to become a Bells Bond. You just have to be working with the Bells Bondsman. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they just have to be, you know, putting you on their case. And then there, there's a go. So I've been definitely looking up, like you said, how you look up case laws and things like that. Cause I, I definitely, definitely don't want to be getting hemmed up doing that. But, I mean, I, I like all aspects of this industry. So I tend to look into all of it and, um, once I did that right along, kind of got a taste like, ah, kind of like this, you know? Yeah, people it's... hate when the little one comes up and be like, get down. People hate that. And I kind of like that reaction. But um, so before we get into um, your other company, um, I want to talk about the NRA. Okay. Um, how do you even join the NRA? Or what are the benefits of being a part of the NRA? And I know it has something to do with you being an instructor and stuff like that. So you can just tell me, like, how do you get into it? Well, with the NRA, um, I kind of, to be honest, I kind of got into it by, I wouldn't say by choice, because it wasn't something that I thought about originally. But mm -hmm. when it came down to being in the whole training environment and firearms environment, I had to get the needed certifications in order to do what I needed to do. So then I started mm -hmm. looking into the NRA and saw the different types of things they offer, different types of courses and certification they offer. And I said, okay, you know what, this may be a good avenue of approach for me to take when it comes to being a business owner, especially in this profession. Um, so I ended up knowing um, a guy that I met through a course I took with the USCCA to be a firearms instructor. And he was actually the, the, the individual that offers range safety certifications. Uh, we chit chat a little bit. I ended up taking the course through him. And then he set me up with my online account and things like that, instructor portal. And then from there, I was able to 
to say, you know what, okay, let me dig a little deeper into this and see what the NRA offers. And then yeah. I was able to, you know, like I said, with my own homework and research, I was able to see that they offer insurance. They offer um, training insurance for instructors and business owners. They're, you know, they're a good company to be a part of. They're a good backing for. They have attorneys on file, God forbid, for CCW permit um, holders who may get into a, a shooting or something like that. They give you the tools you need to be a safe gun owner, yeah, a responsible gun owner to make sure you don't do something, you know, out of the norm. So you definitely have to make sure that when you're taking these classes and you have an NRA instructor that you listen to everything they're putting out because everything is kind of dummy proof. It's given to you and it's been utilized and tested. So that, to, that way to make sure that, okay, this is the guidelines I have to go by. Someone's already done this. So clearly if it's a rule now, that means someone's done it before. Let me make sure I don't become that second rule, you know, uh, especially that's how we do it in the military. Someone mm -hmm. messes up, now a rule comes out. So then you know, wait, did someone really do that? Yep, it's probably a rule, <laughs> so someone did that. Yeah. So, yeah, the NRA is good, and also the USCCA is another uh, great tool that has insurance as well for instructors and for civilians to utilize with attorneys on call at 24-7. Well, I'm I I've been thinking about looking into it. Um, I just recently, uh, like maybe two days ago, um, me and my dad put in for our youth because in Maryland they break it up. They they break it up like you have to put in for your PI company as a separate license, and then you put in for your uniform security officers for your a separate license, or you could do it together, but it's still two different things. So we just put in for uniform security. Okay. Um, so in that midst of doing that, I'm also been looking into being able to do training classes as far as like security, um, not firearms, but getting your security license, getting your PI license, kind of doing those, um, classes. And that kind of came up, um, while I was doing a lot of research and I was like, you know, I've never done my own research on the NRA. I mean, I've, I've seen what I saw as a kid growing up and I didn't really think it had anything to do with me. Yeah. So um, seeing that you were a member, I was just like, okay, would you recommend other people doing it? And what, what, you know, do they, so I didn't know that it had like insurance and lawyers on file and things like that for business owners. So I'm definitely going to um, look into it. I'm, you know, and I guess it's as simple as just going online and being like going to the website and figuring out for yourself if it benefits you. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a good good thing to have. It's a good card to have. Like I said, you know, God forbid someone gets into a situation and they don't know what to do past the point of pulling the trigger in a situation where they're defending themselves. Then you know they definitely can call the number through the USCCA or through the NRA. And if they're a member, then they definitely can have an attorney come out. They have attorneys on file. They'll tell you what to do, what to say, not in a rude manner towards police officers or law enforcement, but just to make sure that you don't say anything, you know, you should not, or you don't do anything extra, you know, that you shouldn't. And just to make sure that you're, you're covered, you know, because that's a time during somebody's life that's probably going to bring about a lot of stress after they've done something like that, regardless if it was for the situation of them acting under, you know, fear because it was an actual threat or for them just doing it in a negligent manner. But yeah. definitely something good to have because the legal advice will be there to help you through all of your legal situation and yeah. court calls and things like that. And that and that's the scary part, thinking I'm 
I'm protecting myself, and then you end up being the one needing protection when it be, when it's all said and done. I think that's yeah. probably the, I think that's the probably my worst fear about like home defense type things, like something happened and then you you protect yourself, but then you're like, oh wait, I'm in trouble now because I did this one little thing wrong, yeah. or this person had to be on doing this at the time. So it's a lot of stuff, and I, I do recommend people like really read up on your state laws and your state regulations on that stuff. Like when you said that, I'm like, yeah, people need to definitely look at case laws on things like, especially if you own firearms, you got, you got to know what's going on um, and what you can and cannot do. You can't just have it and take pictures. Cool pictures are fine. That's all great. But you got to know what the heck is going on with what you have. Um, So let's, let's talk about superior standard. That is your clothing company. Your, also, your training company, though. Yes, it's uh, so there's two. Superior standard is apparel, and then superior standard is superior standard training is your training stuff. So let's talk about the t-shirts first. Okay, so superior standard apparel. Um, there, I started superior standard apparel first with my business partner. Um, we both came up with an idea that listen, we're both drill sergeants. We both been in the military. Uh, my business partner has numerous deployments, infantry, and he's also an intelligent person at the same time when it comes to outside in the civilian world. So he also has degrees, has his master's, is really big into finance, works for some big time companies. So we wanted to get together something that, you know, it just puts our life in perspective for other people and allow people to express themselves as well through our clothing. So yeah. it's a lifestyle brand. We have a lot of shirts that you can wear either to the gun range. You can wear them when you're out with your family. You can wear them out to the bar. You can wear it out, you know, to the movie theater. And then you can turn around and wear something, one of them as an undershirt. Like I used to wear um, my shirts underneath my police uniform when I wore my class Bs, you know. So it's different things. We also have hats. We have towels. We have female clothing. We're working on children's clothing right now. And okay. it's clothing you can wear to the beach, you wear out onto the boat. If you go to our website or even to our IG, which is Superior mm-hmm. Standard, or even my IG, Drew underscore H, instead of an E, it'll be a three. You'll see mm-hmm. the different environments that you can wear our clothing. And people love the material. It feels great. It's lightweight. And I was just about to ask you, what kind of material are we talking here with the shirts? It's a polyester cotton blend. So okay. it's that way it doesn't shrink. And that way you don't have issues it's already pre-shrunk. And it's um, that we don't have issues. A lot of people don't like when they work out that, you know, the, the shirt tends to sometimes lose its form. So even though there are certain things we're still evolving with when it comes to material, we feel like right now our material is, is, is fairly good and very, very, um, you know, comparable to things that are out there already. You know, we like to mirror ourselves off of certain ideas that people may have when it comes to, how the shirt should feel and how it should stretch and how it should look when it comes out of the dryer, how many times you can wear it before, you know, you no longer can wear the shirt anymore. Does the quality feel great? Can I wear it in any environment? So it's definitely, like I said, a lifestyle brand. It's, you can wear it anywhere. I I like, uh, I've been looking at your shirts for a minute. I've been looking at your page. I mean, I'm like, this guy. He's my virtual friend. He has no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, but uh, tell tell them again what the website for the shirts and the 
in the Instagram for the shirts are and how they can order them or if they're available anywhere else, like to uh, give them ordering information as well for the shirts. I mean, for the merchandise period, sorry. So the website is www.superiorstandardapparel.com or you can just put Superior Standard Apparel in Google and we'll be the first thing to pop up. Uh, Right now, because we are only two years old and my partner and I do have full-time jobs, we're attempting to get our stuff into some tactical stores and police shops down here. So hopefully before the year's over with, we'll be in at least two or three, which will be a really big move for us. Uh, if you want to go to our IG, we're on it's Superior Standard. So at Superior Standard, along with our Facebook is Superior Standard Brand. We have a page. And then also my IG, my personal IG, which I have a lot of content on it as well, and training uh, training schedules. It will be Drew. It will be DR3W underscore H. Now, before we go, let's touch on really most important part to me. We, we touched on training and what people should do even after they get out of the academy but you also own superior standard training and that's a separate company so tell us about that and what made you start that okay well superior standard training is pretty much firearms training um life experience training we're we're trying to eventually get more in depth with training but of course, we want to make sure that we have everything there is to have as far as our credentials and things before we just up and give training. So for right now, we do concealment classes and basic pistol classes along with home defense. We also do uh, basic training preparation courses for people who are going to the Army. And what better place to get it from than uh, a group of drill sergeants? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we started the company because we already had Superior Senate Apparel. We wanted to make sure that we gave, we tied it in. You know, when you're starting an apparel company, sometimes it's hard if someone doesn't have something that it's relatable to. So we felt that having a training company and being able to take pictures on the range with our clothing on, allowing uh, other people to feel how we feel while we're training in the sun, why not make training and apparel together, make it one brand, but still somehow keep them separate a little bit. Um, the unit that I'm in, we're all drill sergeants. So we figured, Hey, everybody wants to have the opportunity to make a little extra money, but to stay up on their skills of being a drill sergeant. We definitely don't want the active duty drill sergeants to feel like we're not, you know, knowing of what's going on or we don't have a mindset like they do. Cause you got to remember the schedules are completely different. The training is completely different. You're taking yourself from your regular job to now the drill sergeant mindset, which is typically waking up at 3.30 a.m. to wake the soldiers up by 4, 4.30 and then putting them to bed around 9 o'clock. You possibly getting home, you know, 10 o'clock and doing the same thing all over again every single day for the whole cycle. So, you know, we want to make sure we're just as good when it comes to the knowledge that we can teach and we can share in the training. So, we wanted to make sure that we can keep our skills up. So why not be able to keep our skills up on our spare time as our hobbies to make sure we can give the soldiers everything we possibly can, along with giving civilians everything we can, because the majority of us in the drill sergeant unit are police officers also. So we can give you information that we've seen on the street, you know, from cases or whatever the case may be, along with our own experiences and then being able to share that with the soldiers when we go do our time at, you know, whatever base we're, we're sent to. 
do you um, have any classes coming up? Um, if somebody's listening and they're in Florida right now, uh, when is the next class or when, how can they figure out, find out the next class and the contact info? Well, I am definitely always running concealment classes. I usually can do con- concealment classes throughout the week. I try to usually get classes maybe on the weekend, but I understand that not everybody wants to be tied down on the weekend because I obviously don't majority of the time as well. But <laughs> I'll do I'll do classes on the weekdays. Um, we also offer year-round um, and month-long classes for basic training preparation. Anybody going to the military, if you're not in our state or if you're not in our area between Miami-Dade County, Broward County, West Palm Beach, or Port St. Lucie in Florida, then we also can do stuff online. So the portion or the fee would be a little bit less, but we would give you all the tools you need to your workouts to what you need to learn up on, what you need to brush up on, material you may need for when you go off to basic training. That way you're not caught off guard when a drill sergeant tells you to do this or do that. And then you're looking kind of stuck, you know, um, especially when it comes to firing a weapon, you know, the rifle. So we try to go over a lot of those things, marksmanship. And like I said, we send you information through email along with we have a virtual tracker, which you can track your progress of your physical fitness through an app, uh, which we give you the information to once you actually sign up with us. But if you want, like I said, the training before, then you would go to www www.superiorstandardtraining.com and then you'll find courses on there. And they can follow you on your regular page which you said um, because you also show some of your classes there too. And exactly. you the real deal, you know, via that as well. I mean, you're a busy guy. Like, you're a busy guy. Um, do you have kids? Do you have you married? How's, how's does that work? fit into all the rest of the stuff that you do? Uh, yeah, well, I'll probably be married very soon. Um, my chick and I, we have one kid, and that's pretty much it. I mean, you always, always tell people you find time for things that you want True. to make time for. So I definitely have no no problem making time for my family. You know, when I'm at home, I'm at home. When I'm yeah. working, I'm at, I'm at work, and I try not to mix the two up, so... Yeah, I, I have no problem with being able to make time for both. And at the end of the day, I still make time for myself as well. So that's the key to me to keep myself sane. So this is it. I'm, I am like fully satisfied with this. <laughs> and now we talked earlier about the war story. So right. were you able to think of a world, a war story? Like something that really was an experience, a case. I mean, I don't know. I know you're on um, the response team. Um, what was the response team name? Um, it's PRT, um, Prior Response Team uh, in Miami-Dade County. We handle mass casualty situations and active shooter situations, along with responding to priority calls that happen throughout the county. So doing all that on any of that, has there been, or I mean, even in the military, has there been um, an experience, a story that you were just like, I knew this was the job for me, or, you know, this was crazy night or anything like that? I mean, if not, that's also a good thing, too, because 
people don't realize that the boring boring is good in these kind of lines of work. It is, but if it were boring, I don't think I'd do it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> true, true, true. Um, I would have to say probably my my bail bond days because um, I had a I had a squad of I mean I had a squad of some great guys. Um, one of them was Carlos, another guy Miguel, another guy Richie. These guys were, you know, guys that another guy was uh, uh, William. These guys were guys that I, I would go through any door with. And we've had some situations where we were like, wow, we made it. Um, mm. So probably one of the stories would be where we got a call that one of our CIs knew where one of the guys we were looking for, one of the fugitives we were looking for, where he was located. He said he was going to be at his mom's house. Um, and we decided, okay, we're going to go to his mom's house. CI is usually good when it comes to giving us information. And they're usually always accurate. So, okay, we'll go to the house. We go to the house and it's, I want, it was this day. I didn't do it with my team. And this is why I messed up. Uh, my team had some other things to do and I was helping another agent out. And I usually always go with my team. But today I said, you know what? This guy's charges are, you know, it was possession of methamphetamine and possession of drug paraphernalia. So I think the bond came up to like 1500 bucks. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm going to just go do what I got to do with this guy, help him out, and that'll be it. You know, we'll just, it is what it is. Well, this guy and myself, we took a ride along. <laughs> we took a ride along with us, and this guy was very new to the Bilbao game. Very, very new. I think this is probably maybe his third or fourth case. You know, and I'm never going to get in the way of somebody. I'll give you suggestions, especially if I'm helping you work the case, but I'm never going to tell you how to work your own case. Uh, we get to the house and the intern, which was someone that was working for the guy, uh, it was the guy has bill bond license, but he, like I said, he was an intern. You have to do a year internship first, even though you're licensed, but before you can be appointed through the state with different insurance companies. So he goes around to the back to make sure nobody comes out. Myself and the and the uh, the gentleman were at the front gate. The fugitive comes outside. He decides to look at us and you know we're at, tell him, hey man, you know you got to come with us. You have a warrant. And we look in his eyes and we can tell he was going to run back in the house. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, he runs back into the house, and I was able to touch the door before he was able to close it completely. And he allowed two of his big dogs to come out of the house. Okay. Before I could grab a weapon out of my holster, I had already fallen back off of the step trying to brace myself. And I braced myself on my on my firing hand, so my right hand, fracturing my wrist. Oh my so I fractured my wrist, but of course, the adrenaline was pumping, so I didn't feel it at the time. Yeah. Until I went to draw my weapon later on that day while on the same case, and I realized what had happened. So the subject barricades himself in the house. There's two females in the house with him. They come outside and they're like, you know, listen, he's going to come outside. We promise he's going to come outside. And then, you know, while we're talking to him, he reaches out of the back window, punches it out and hits the intern in the face. So the intern falls down. The guy goes back in the house. Um, Now I call my original team and I should have done that from jump. And that was my fault. But I called my original team and they pulled up in charges and everything else within about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, the police department also showed up once we told them what they what we had. They brought out the the bird, which is you know the helicopter to make sure they had visual of the house. They brought out K nine in case we needed it. We went into the house, made entry into the house. 
once I had my team with me. And we looked all through the house. We could not find this guy. And I knew that he had went in the house. And he didn't go outside the house. The back was covered. The front was covered. I mean, we looked up and down, four of us looking up and down for this guy. Um, they had a really, really large safe. So we thought the safe was, you know, the way it was packaged and moved around, we thought maybe he might have been in the safe because futures would do anything. And it was a very large safe. I mean, it could have fit two or three people in there. So we went to try to flip the safe over because we thought he was inside um, because the way they had, the females had positioned the things around it. And as we went to move the safe to try to move it out of the way to open it, the safe ended up coming back and landing on my foot. So I ended up breaking my foot, my, my left foot that day. Um, and it was so bad that I felt my shoe filling up with blood. This was a probably a 2,000, 3,000 pound safe. Jeez. And it was four guys moving it. And somebody lost their footing and it ended up coming back in. And it crushed my foot. So I ended up breaking my foot and completely breaking my, my big toe completely. And I felt my shoe filling up with blood at the same time. But like I said, the adrenaline was pumping. So now here I am with a fractured wrist. And now I have a, a broken foot as well. Um, and we're still looking through the house. We're looking through the house. And we couldn't find this guy. So we're like, he has to be somewhere. Sure enough, me being frustrated, um, we looked in the attic. He wasn't there. We found in the master bathroom, they were doing construction. The guy had ripped up the floorboards in the bathroom and went underneath the house. Jeez. They do anything. They get creative. Yes. So I ended up having to take my vest off. At the time, I didn't know he was underneath the house. So I took my vest off. My partner took his vest off because we couldn't get down there with our vest. All I had was my handgun and the light on my handgun. And I was like, you know what? If he's down here, I hope he doesn't see me before I see him. And sure enough, the way he was positioned, I saw him from afar. And as soon as I put that light on him, you know, he was compliant. Okay, okay, I give up. We were able to get him out of the, you know, from underneath the house and took him outside. And that's when everything hit me, the wrist pain, the foot. And that's when I was like, you know what? Well, I need to make my money because he needs to be booked into the jail. We drove him to the jail. Yeah. I, I took my shoe off. I put on a fresh shoe, a Converse, all white Nike Converse, only shoes I had left in the car. I put those on, and then we took him to the jail. We booked him in. As we're booking him in the jail, I'm having a conversation with one of the U.S. Marshals that were there. Um, and he looks down at my shoe and goes, what, what's wrong with your foot? Because the blood was seeping out through my shoe, and they're white Converse, so you can see it. Um, after that, I said, well, you know what? I'm hungry. So then we went to get food. And then... <laughs> Yeah, and then about 8 o'clock at night, my partner drove me to the hospital, um, the UM hospital down in Miami, and they took care of me. And, you know, after that, I said, man, I, I really should have stopped a long time ago, but the the thrill, the adrenaline rush, it keeps me going. So, Dude. Yeah, you went and to I will. Eat? You went to eat? You weren't in pain? You know what? After a while, my foot was so swollen and numb that I didn't feel anything. True. Oh. And, um... And you know what's funny? That happened October 13th. Okay. <laughs> it was a Friday, 2000, uh, 2015, October 13th. So I will definitely be putting up those pictures of oh, the yeah. fugitive on the 13th to, to have a little ceremony and remembrance yes. of that day. <laughs> ah. 
oh man i mean that uh, you're committed i can say that yeah yeah you're committed what did you what did you learn from that one always call your team yeah always always call your team um because your team is all you have we don't have backup like everybody else does we have each other so yeah. call your team and then also pick your losses for something like that, do you realize that a, uh, a $1,500 bond would only typically bring you 150 bucks, and my hospital bill was about $3,000? So I learned my lesson, you know, a long time ago. Sometimes it's just not worth it. That, that was my best war story yet, okay? <laughs> that was my best war story. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Okay? You're very welcome. Very welcome. <laughs> I went through the pains. Everybody can have a little laugh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Dang, okay, man. I am not going to hold you any longer, man. This has been great. I mean, we touched on a couple of industries, and that's that's the basic basis of the uh, podcast on all the levels in this industry. Uh, So I appreciate that. And, I mean, good luck on everything that you're doing. And stay safe with everything that you're doing and stay secure. Um, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. It was it was a great interview for me. Thank you. I definitely appreciate you having me, definitely. As soon as I saw the podcast and, and what the topics were, I definitely yeah. said I had to I had to be a part of this. So thank you very man, much. I appreciate the feedback as well. Like people don't understand. Like I'm one of those people who is constantly learning and I know I want to talk about it. I am not, uh, you know, I don't know everything that I should be doing. So I appreciate the feedback and um, I'm getting better and better at it. So keep listening and listen <laughs> because I know I'm getting better at it. Um, yes, yes. I appreciate it, man. And I, I want you to say one more time how people can find you and get in touch with you just so we can knock it in their heads and they can understand that there is training out there. So get to it. Oh, you can definitely find us at superiorstandardapparel.com or superiorstandardtraining.com. We also have an IG, Superior Standard, and you can find me on my personal page, which is also dr3w underscore h for Drew underscore h. And we also have a Facebook account, which is Superior Standard Brand Page. So any of those type of platforms, you can definitely hit us up. All right, man. Thank you. Uh, And this was a great episode. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) What's going on, guys? Thank you for listening once again. That was a great episode. We have many, many more to go. Thank you for support. If you would like to support this podcast, go on Anchor, click support this podcast, and you can drop a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars, whatever you decide that you want to drop will be greatly appreciated. Also, make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Industry Talk Podcast. And if you have anything you want to advertise or anything you want to add to the show, DM us on Instagram. And on Instagram, check out our job postings uh, highlights so that you can see what security jobs are available, police careers are available. Stay secure, stay safe. See you next time.